Today on the Matt Wall Show, riots have made their way to Amish country now. This time, BLM and Antifa are tearing the city of Lancaster apart because a knife-wielding maniac got shot while trying to stab a police officer to death. This somehow is racism, we're told. Also, two police officers in L.A. fall victim to an attempted assassination. Um, how much responsibility do Joe Biden and the Democrats bear for that? Um, and in our daily cancellation, I will be canceling the Black National Anthem. Black National Anthem is canceled, um, and uh, that was played before every NFL game this weekend, but it is canceled. All of that on the way. But first, a couple of brief notes. First of all, if you watch this podcast on YouTube, you should know that on September 28th, it will be moving from the Daily Wire channel to be available exclusively on my personal YouTube channel. Pretty easy to find, just youtube.com slash Matt Walsh. Uh, Matt Walsh channel. That's all you got to find. Or you can uh, go to the link in the description. I'm also making a lot of new content that you can uh, only find on, on my channel. So subscribe to my YouTube channel. Make sure to ring the bell to uh, make sure you never miss out on a new video. I'm going to have to become like every other YouTuber now, constantly telling you to hit that like button and subscribe. Um, but these are necessary sacrifices. So make sure you go right now and subscribe to that. Also, um, I want to tell you before we get going today that the show is brought to you by Bambi. Um, and, uh, you know, any, any uh, business owner knows that uh, HR issues can absolutely kill you. If you want to have a successful business, you got to have your HR house in order. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. These are all just some, some of the hurdles that you face. And HR manager, manager salaries are not cheap. You know, an average of $70,000 a year you're going to spend. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can uh, change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat, from onboarding to terminations. They customize the policies to fit your business, and uh, they help manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. If you're not a huge company, then spending tons of time and money on HR stuff is not ideal. It's not what you want. So why do that? You got to get Bambi. Go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Walsh. All right. Now, um, most people, I think, probably have never heard of Lancaster. Um, those who are familiar with it know that it is Amish country. Nestled in the rural part of southern Pennsylvania, Lam- Lancaster is home to one of the largest Amish communities in America. That was its claim to fame. But even Amish Lancaster, about as far geographically and culturally from Portland or Seattle as you can get, is not uh, is not safe from the morally deranged thugs of Antifa and BLM. Rioters descended on the city last night, ostensibly in protest of the death of a man named Ricardo Munoz. Uh, We'll talk about the specifics of that case in just a moment. But first, let's take a look at some of the action in Amish land from last night. Watch this. Yeah. 
just funny. Yes, that is what collective madness looks like. There's nothing coherent being said here. No message, no reason, no point. Just hate, aggression, and anger directed outwards at everyone and everything. These, these are people with the emotional intelligence of infants and the intellectual intelligence of sea sponges. And that becomes even clearer when you see the supposed reason for this latest bout of lunacy and chaos. The uh, 27-year-old Munoz was confronted by police after his sister called 911 to report that her brother was getting aggressive with their mother and trying to break into her house. In the body cam, you can see a woman flee terrified from the house as the police arrive, and then Munoz comes charging out with a knife. Watch. 28, coming your way. Where did he go? Get back, get back. As you can see there, Munoz is chasing the officer, literally waving a butcher's knife in the air like some kind of horror movie villain. He was mere moments from getting close enough to sink the blade into the officer when he was shot. This is, a, this is about as justified as a police shooting can possibly get. Yet BLM still protests, weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth, pretending to be distraught that this noble gentleman is no longer with us. As it happens, Ricardo Munez is the second BLM martyr in a row after Jacob Blake to be shot after getting the cops called on him by, uh, by a woman that he was harassing and threatening. The other two BLM martyrs from this summer, George Floyd and Rayshard Brooks, also had histories of abusing and tormenting women. Um, these are the men that BLM wants us to honor and celebrate. Abusers, criminals, sociopaths, appropriate mascots, I suppose, for one of the most morally degenerate political movements in American history. Rarely in this country have we ever seen a group that is so cartoonishly and absolutely evil with no redeeming qualities and nothing to be said in its favor at all. We should be very clear about this. BLM has no valid points, nothing to offer, nothing to say, no reason to take them seriously. They should not be listened to or respected. They deserve scorn and only scorn. Even now, I still hear people who know better claim that BLM is at least calling attention to important issues. No, they aren't. The only issue that BLM is calling attention to is its own moral vacuousness. So don't try to find something salvageable in this heap. There is nothing to find. These are bad people doing bad things for bad reasons. And if rioting in Amish country because a cop shot a man who was moments away from stabbing him with a butcher's knife is not enough to convince you of that fact, then I don't know what will. Meanwhile, also this weekend, two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies were critically injured in an assassination attempt 
uh, video, which you can see here, shows someone walk up to the two officers as they're sitting in their police cruiser and open fire through the window. Uh, the victims are, are both new to the force, sworn in just over a year ago. One is a 31-year-old mother, the other 24-year-old man. In a screenshot from the video, you can see the female officer who had been shot in the jaw helping to apply a tourniquet to her partner. Now, now this is what heroism looks like. It doesn't, it doesn't look like Jacob Blake or Ricardo Munez. These are real heroes. Fortunately, though, they're not martyrs because they are both expected to survive, thank God. Now, Democrats like Joe Biden came out uh, to offer their weak condemnations of the attack. Here's Biden. He says, this cold-blooded shooting is unconscionable and the perpetrator must be brought to justice. Violence of any kind is wrong. Those who commit it should be caught and punished. Jill and I are keeping the deputies and their loved ones in our prayers and in our hearts, uh, praying for their full recovery. Um, then Kamala Harris said, Doug and I are keeping the two Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies in our hearts as they currently fight for their lives after a horrific attack. The perpetrator must be brought to justice. Adam Schiff chimed in saying, uh, praying for the two deputies who were shot in an apparent ambush and thinking of their loved ones tonight. Everyday law enforcement officers put themselves at risk to protect our community. Uh, I hope the perpetrator of this cowardly attack can be quickly brought to justice. Yeah. Okay. Now, I hope this doesn't sound ungracious, but let me just say to the Democrats issuing their thoughts and prayers and condemnations, shut up, you gutless snakes, you damned hypocrites, you disgusting frauds, you repulsive phonies. You're not fooling anyone. You Democrats, along with your servants in the media and, B and your BLM constituency, you are all directly responsible for this. You are responsible for those cops being shot just as you're responsible for so much of the violence against police that we've seen over the summer and over the past several years. Let's not forget about the five cops that were executed in Dallas during a BLM rally a few years ago. And you will be responsible for the cops that are attacked and assassinated in the future, and there will be more. You may not pull the trigger, but you carry an equal moral guilt. You cannot distance yourself from this. When cops start dying, you cannot pretend to be shocked or surprised or horrified. They are reaping what you have sowed. This is your fault. This is on you. When you, in a position of power and authority, however unearned that power and authority may be, go around telling wild fables about racist police hunting and killing innocent black people, and then those racist, those racist uh, hunters wind up dead or in the hospital with a bullet wound to the jaw, you cannot pretend that you're innocent. You know exactly what you're doing. There is a, there is a direct correlation here. So let's not let's not uh, let's not dance around this at all. But, you know, of course, whoever pulls the trigger, they're one hundred percent responsible. But you, in a position of authority, by encouraging that, you are also one hundred percent responsible for that. And they know what they're doing. What do you think is going to happen when you go around saying? That, there are, that the, you know, the cops are a danger, they need to be potentially defunded or, or whatever, they're a danger, they're, they're, they're hunting and they're killing black people, um, there's, a, you know, there's an epidemic, there's a crisis of this happening in the country. There isn't, it's a lie, and you know it. Now, if you're just one of these morons on the street, you might not know it because you're so damn stupid. Um, and you haven't thought critically about any of the issues that you're currently you know, burning police cars over. You haven't thought critically about any of them. But these Democrats, Joe Biden, the rest, he, he knows. He knows. 
Well, maybe not Joe Biden. I don't know what he knows anymore. I'm not even sure what he's conscious of. But uh, Kamala Harris, let's just say her. She knows, okay? This is somebody who is in law enforcement on some level. So she knows it's not true. There's an epidemic of, of police officers killing innocent people. No, there isn't. Not even close. This is completely and totally made up. It's not happening. So when you tell a made-up story about police officers doing this, and then, and then next thing you know, they're getting shot randomly as they sit, and apparently not so randomly, actually, as they sit in their police cruisers, yes, you're It would be just like if I decided, you know, that um, I really don't like plumbers, and so I'm going to dedicate many of my shows to telling you how evil plumbers are. I'm going to make up stories about plumbers and tell you that, you know, when plumbers, when they come to your house, uh, they're, they're not really fixing the toilet. They're, you know, they're installing cameras in your, in your, in your bathroom because they're a bunch of perverts. I, I start making up all these wild, st- just out of whole cloth. I'm just making up stories about plumbers because I, I, have a, I have a problem with them. And if I do that for weeks on end, and then next thing you know, um, there's a rash of plumbers getting killed or beat up. Can I really sit here and say, well, I had no idea. Don't look at me. What's well, I mean, I'm just sharing my opinion. It's not my fault. No. Either my intention was to get the plumbers beat up or I had some other intention and I didn't give a damn whether they were attacked or not. Now, when it comes to these Democrats like Biden and Harris and the rest of them, they have other intentions, okay? They, they, have, they have a political goal, and they just don't care if it gets police officers shot. It doesn't make a difference to them because they're soulless. It, but it's, it's politically useful for them to go with this made-up, ridiculous fable about police officers sh- uh, shooting innocent uh, black people. So, yes, 100% responsible, and I think we have to be totally clear about that. Let's go to our um, five headlines. You know, winter is uh, fast approaching, I hate to say, and that's why you want to get outside, spend as much time outdoors as you possibly can, especially as we get into the fall, okay? This is when fall is objectively the best season. There's no discussion to be had about that. So that's what you need Rad Power Bikes for. Whether you want a a new way to get around town or out in nature, even with the kids in tow, you've got to try Rad Power Bikes. It's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles per hour without pedaling, so you can get out and about without uh, getting all sweaty. They're great for commuting, getting out on the trail, hauling groceries, transporting your kids on the back. Rad Power Bikes are affordable. Most e-bikes are in the $3,000 range. Rad Power Bikes, though, just $9.99. Um, and uh, and most are under $1,500. So you're going to get them for a lot cheaper. Great product, though. Uh, and this is, you know what? It's practical, but it's also fun. So you got the practicality and the fun. Rad Power Bikes offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And now for a limited time, get a free accessory value of, uh, valued at up to $100 with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Free accessory, free gift of up to $100 in value. And free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this special offer, text the word BIKE to 64,000. That's BIKE to 64,000. Text BIKE to 64,000. Okay. Um, This is why I've always said that the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, is one of the most prophetic works of literature, I think, of our time. In American history, certainly. Um, And there's a great example right here. The NFL engaged in um, all kinds of racially woke pageantry over the weekend as the the NFL season started. And we'll talk more about that in the daily cancellation. 
But, uh, you know, you thought Colin Kaepernick, I mean, this is all being done for his benefit and, and for the people that support him. But he was not impressed. He sent out a tweet after all of this, and he said, um, while the NFL runs propaganda about how much they care about black life, they are still actively blackballing Eric Reed for fighting for the black community. Eric set two franchise records last year and is one of the best defensive players in the league. So it's one of his buddies who doesn't have a job yet in the NFL, a free agent, and, um, and he's upset about that. So now, first of all, let me say, I agree with the first few words of what, what Colin Kaepernick said. And that's the most I'll ever agree with him. So we've got the first few words of that statement in common. He says the NFL is running propaganda. You're right. It is propaganda. The rest of it, not so much. Um, but he's not satisfied. And the SJWs, they're never satisfied. That's why I say, if you give a mouse a cookie, okay, read, read that, that children's book. It's one of my favorite books as a kid. But I didn't realize all the depth of meaning in this book. And if you're not familiar with it, and if you give a mouse a cookie... Uh, it's all about this kid who's got a mouse in the house, and the mouse wants a cookie, and he says, okay, I'll give you the cookie. But next thing you know, what does the mouse want? He wants a napkin, and then he wants milk, and then he wants, uh, I don't know, carrots, and then he wants, and then it, it, every, every last thing. Next thing you know, he's eaten the entire house and everything in it, and the child is left destitute and cold on the street. That's, that's my memory of the book, anyway. I might be getting that slightly wrong, but the point is, you, get, you give, you, you satiate with just one thing, and then it's, no, I need something else, and something else, and something else, and something else. And that's the way it works with the left. You give them the one thing they want, and now, no, now we need more. And here's the next thing, here's the next thing, here's the next thing. Uh, maybe, in fact, instead of making my, my very intelligent literary reference here, uh, maybe a better analogy would be like the mob. Okay, it's, it's sort of like with the mob, where you, 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 know, they, they, you, 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 you cut a deal with them, you think it's one thing, and then you'll be done. And then, uh, and then they come back and they want more. They don't get out of your life, at least based on the movies. That's how it seems to go. So take that. Take whichever analogy you want. If you give a mouse a cookie or a mafia movies, that's as intelligent as it gets on this show. Let's go uh, to number two, the Daily Wire reports. Um, it says, even though the backlash against Netflix's cuties was largely bipartisan, a new op-ed in Slate has put the blame squarely on the shoulders of conservatives. According to Sam Adams, uh, conservatives have a creepy obsession with the new French film, which has been accused of indefensibly sexualizing 11-year-old girls in the name of artistry. Uh, Adams wrote, quote, the movie finds itself at the toxic intersection of QAnon delusion and right-wing moral panic with a smattering of leftist outrage on the side. Breitbart has posted about the movie a half dozen times in the past two days, singling out critics who praise the film, several of whom have received death threats and have been harassed off of social media. And Thursday night, Tucker Carlson made it a centerpiece of his show, accusing a nonspecific they behind the movie of wanting to destroy young girls. Uh, and then it goes on the Daily Wire report. Adams argued that the critics of the movie have not actually seen it, choosing instead to go off of the marketing materials and viral clips online. Addressing those who would say that Cuties pushes softcore child pornography, Adams argued that intent matters in this case. By definition, pornography requires intent, and whether or not the director succeeded uh, at her intent is... is uh, her, unless whether or not she succeeded, her intent is clear. The movie's protagonist, Amy, is an 11-year-old bouncing between the repressive culture of her conservative Islamic upbringing, where she is warned that evil shows itself in the scantily clad women, and the hypersexualized environment of Western culture where images of adult women doing strip club gyrations are emulated by tweens on social media. The movie presents those images in order to critique them. Uh, you know, e even if all of that was true, 
the fact that uh, it tells you everything you need to know that this guy doesn't even doesn't even see a problem with that. Okay, so according to him, the movie is presenting a uh, sort of traditional religious culture as equally as evil as pedophilic uh, sexualization of children. For him, he, see, he sees them as both just as bad. He's putting them on the same moral playing field. So th- that, that would be bad enough as it is. But it's also, I think, uh, just not true. And this idea that intent doesn't matter. In fact, somebody made an interesting point on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. But made an interesting point about, you know, on the left, they usually tell us intent doesn't matter at all. So, for example, if somebody says the N-word, even if they're just, and it's a white person, of course, white person says the N-word, even if they're just quoting someone else, if there's, there's, there's no racial uh, intent at all, there's, there's no racist intent at all, even if they're simply quoting or they're singing along to a song where it's used, a rap song or something, um, we're told that intent makes no difference. That's racist. Even if you didn't mean it in a racist way, it is racist, it's horrible, it's the worst thing that you can ever do. That's what we're told. And there are many examples of this on the left, where usually they say intent doesn't matter. And, but they have it exactly backwards. Because in most of the cases where they say intent doesn't matter, in those kinds of cases, of course intent matters. If, if you're just saying something, if you're saying words, then yes, when it comes to the words you say, intent is everything. I can't even begin to be offended by the words you say, if I'm even inclined to be offended by words in the first place, until I know why you said them. Because that's, that's really all that matters, is what you meant when you said it. Now, when it comes to, actually, to, to taking actual children and putting them in these sexually compromised and vulnerable positions and sexualizing them on camera and having them simulate sex acts through dance on camera, and, the, you know, and, the, and the, the camera zooming in on various body parts and everything. With something like that, intent does not matter. Because the act itself is, by definition, sexualization. You are, by definition, sexualizing a child. The reason why you're sexualizing a child doesn't matter. I don't see that making any moral difference whatsoever. So on one hand, you have words just words. Intent there is everything. On the other hand, you have you are taking actual children. This isn't like a book where they're telling a story about this happening. That would be totally different. But these are real children who you have taken and put them in these positions on camera, and you're profiting off of it. So the left has everything upside down and backwards as usual. Number three, Donald Trump um, said that he is willing to do a debate with Joe Biden, moderated by Joe Rogan. So Tim Kennedy tweeted out, said, on my podcast with Joe Rogan, he offered to moderate a debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. It would be four hours with no live audience, just the two candidates, cameras, and their vision for how to move the country forward. Who wants this? And Donald Trump responded, I do. Now, this is never going to happen, but I think it's just, there really isn't any argument. There isn't any good argument against this. I think it's very clear this would be the best, whether it's Joe Rogan or somebody else. You know, a, 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 something like that, where it's a lengthy discussion, where the moderator is not interfering that much and just letting the two people have a conversation. I guess what I'm saying is a debate that's actually a debate. Can you imagine that? That would obviously be far superior to the, to the hyper, overly moderated 
uh, shows that we normally get and will get, certainly this time, if there is a debate at all. But I think that would be great. Number four, I mentioned earlier that BLM is one of the most morally deranged political movements in American history. Um, well, here's more evidence if you needed it for that claim. I didn't, I didn't have time to play this during the opening, but after those two officers were shot in Los Angeles, a witness recorded a video uh, with his live and honest reaction. And it is, it is something. Watch. Just aired the police out. They just aired the police out. It go up and come. The just got aired out, cuz. They just bust on them, that's crazy. They just got aired out. Somebody ran up on the car and bust on that right through the window, in the face and all. It's a wrap. Now, let, let's remember here, this is a woman and a man, uh, both shot. You know, a woman shot in the face and lying on the ground. And this guy is, he loves it. Wait, leave aside the fact that this guy apparently only knows about six words and he just keeps repeating them over and over again. Um, but he, he thinks it's great. He, he's laughing hysterically. And th- there are other people around, too, who, who seem to be very impressed with this. Just imagine that. I, I re- really think about it because we get so desensitized to this sort of thing for seeing these sorts of videos so often. But think about your, somebody on the scene sees a, a woman get shot in the face in real time and she's bleeding on the ground and you're laughing about it. You, you would think, even if you're a horrible person, even, even the average horrible person would at least be so shocked and surprised by that and disturbed by the blood and everything that they would probably react in a, in a relatively human way. So think about how utterly soulless you have to be to not even have that basic human visceral gut level reaction to witnessing something like that. And the point is, this is the kind of mentality and attitude that police officers in the city, especially a city like Los Angeles, encounter every day. I mean, they're they're dealing with criminals who, um, I don't know if this guy's a criminal or not, certainly wouldn't surprise me given how, uh, given how he apparently feels about Given the fact that he's a, he's a big fan of crime, it seems, he's, he's very impressed with it. But um, they, they are dealing with, with criminals who are just total sociopaths and uh, think that violence is funny. It don't, don't value human life. For all the stuff about Black Lives Matter, yes, it does. All, all lives matter. Uh, but I think you see why um, some of the BLM activists react to all lives matter. They get very upset about that because they, they, they really don't think that all lives matter. The people there in that, in that uh, video, they just, they just don't believe it. They don't see that that life matters at all. Then you're a police officer and you're coming up against this mentality every single day. All right, five. Finally, uh, Joe Biden was, was speaking over the weekend, uh, gave a speech, and this is part of the speech that I thought was, uh, this part here was pretty, pretty riveting. Watch. And what makes his wild claims and hopes, he now hopes we don't notice what he said or won't remember. And when he does follow through or doesn't do, when follow through, the exact opposite. What makes his wild claims and hopes, he now hopes we don't notice what he said or won't remember. And when he does follow through or doesn't do, when follow through, the exact opposite. 
That's what you just heard there. You know, Biden, when he, when he speaks, he has this remarkable ability to make me wonder if maybe I'm the one who had the stroke. But no, I'm pretty sure it was just him. I'm pretty sure he was the one. But still, it does, it, it, it does have this disassociative sort of effect where you start to question your own sanity. All right, we're going to get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But before we do, you know, uh, the lockdowns have just been crushing businesses and have been horrible for the economy. Uh, lots of very sad tales of business owners losing their businesses or finding themselves in dire straits. Um, but the god king of the uh, Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring, uh, he has been able to lead the Daily Wire through this, this uh, uh, environment and uh, we've been, you know, more successful at the end of it. And so that's why uh, this October, the Daily Wire God King Jeremy Boring is going to be presenting alongside an incredibly successful group of business owners at Expert Ownership Live, a virtual conference about leading through crisis. The conference features a lineup of speakers like world-renowned leadership author John Maxwell, the founders of Duck Commander and Otterbox, the Benner Brothers, and many others who can relate to what entrepreneurs and leaders are going through right now. They'll share their stories about their own businesses, their own startup journeys, uh, the tough times that come with any company and how they were able to come out even stronger on the other side. The best part, if you go to expertownershiplive.com slash Walsh right now, you'll be able to register for only 97 bucks with an opportunity to buy a second ticket for a friend half off. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss the, the, the wisdom and advice you're going to get. So go to expertownershiplive.com slash Walsh to register for only $97 for a limited time only. That's expertownershiplive.com slash Walsh. Today for our daily cancellation, I will be canceling the so-called Black National Anthem. Now, if you watch football mainly to be enlightened by socially conscious symbolism and random gestures to social justice, then you were thrilled by how the NFL season started this weekend. It had already been announced that every stadium would have the words end racism spray painted onto the field. If that was not enough in itself to heal our collective wounds and bring about global peace and prosperity, then hopefully the players wearing the names of alleged police brutality victims on their helmets would seal the deal. But what if the whole population of the world was still not clasping hands and looking softly into one another's eyes after a bunch of millionaires ran around, ran around a football field with names like Jacob Blake, an accused rapist and serial abuser, and Rayshard Brooks, a man who violently assaulted a police officer after passing out drunk behind the wheel of a car, uh, taped to their helmets? You know, what if, what if even that wasn't enough? Well, then surely the players kneeling or sitting or raising their fist or dancing the Macarena or performing whatever other random choreography during the national anthem would do the job. But if somehow all of those measures still are insufficient in the struggle to establish a new utopia, uh, then the NFL had one more ace up its sleeve, the black national anthem. Before each week one game, uh, a song which was penned in 1899 by James Weldon Johnson, it's uh, called Lift Every Voice and Sing, now dubbed the Black National Anthem, uh, this song was, was performed. Teams had various approaches to the song, but some were not shy at all about paying more reverence to the Black National Anthem than the National National Anthem. My hometown of Baltimore Ravens, I'm afraid to say, uh, mostly knelt or sat during the real, the real anthem, but stood at attention across the goal line for Lift Every Voice. This was an odd choice, considering what we've been told for years about how the kneeling is a protest against police brutality, not a protest against the anthem or the flag. Haven't we been told that? If that's the case, why didn't they kneel during the so-called Black National Anthem too? Does their concern for police brutality magically dissipate as soon as the words, the land of the free and home of the brave are sung? Are they less worried about the imaginary scourge of racist police hunting black men 
while Lift Every Voice is playing? I mean, I, I, I just don't understand. If that's what you're protesting, why wouldn't you still be doing the protest during that song? If the national anthem was officially abolished and replaced by this other song, would the players decide that racial injustice is no longer a problem? Do they actually think that racial injustice is caused by the national anthem? These are the questions that inevitably arise, and I suspect we will never be given any sort of coherent answer to them. Here's another question. What the hell does the black national anthem even mean? National anthems are, you may have guessed this from the name, anthems for the nation. They are supposed to be uplifting and inspiriting songs for, about, and to a whole nation of people. Until recently, we always stood together when it was played as a symbol of our national unity. This is the point that's been entirely lost in all the debate over the anthem protest. Standing for the anthem is actually not primarily a show of respect for the military or the founding fathers or the constitution or whatever else, but it's a sign of unity and commonality among the people of America. It's something we do, or used to do, for each other, not for the government or even the flag. And that's why it never made sense to kneel during the anthem as a statement against police brutality. The anthem has nothing to do with the police, except that police officers are Americans too. And, and, and that's what we're all supposed to be when the anthem plays, Americans, together. What about the black national anthem? What purpose does it serve? What country is it an anthem to? There is no black nation, no blacklandia or blacktopia. There is no whitelandia or whitetopia either. There are countries populated mainly by white people and, and, and countries populated mainly by black people, but black itself is not a nation and neither is white. To have a national anthem to or about or for a particular skin pigmentation is, to begin with, completely nonsensical. National anthems, by definition, are for everyone in the nation. A national anthem for 13% of the population is not a national anthem at all. It's as if the MPAA combined its G and R movie ratings to come up with GR, general restricted. If it's for general audiences, it's not restricted. If it's restricted, it's not for general audiences. In the same way, if the black national anthem is a national anthem, it isn't just for black people. If it is just for black people, then it's not a national anthem. It cannot be both. It cannot be for one race and also be national. Aside from the logical problems, the whole idea of playing an anthem for or to a certain race is morally grotesque. It's just more segregation and division in a time when exactly the opposite is required. Our country does not need more singling out of certain races more lines drawn, more attention called to our differences. There's quite enough of that already. What we need is unity, national unity under a national flag and anthem. Now, I don't know if we can actually have that sort of unity now, but I do know that the kind of segregated and racialized pageant, pageantry we saw from the NFL this weekend certainly is not helping matters. And something tells me it isn't supposed to. So, the Black National Anthem is canceled. But the good thing is, we still have the National Anthem. It's for everybody. Okay, It's not the White National Anthem. It's for everyone who's an American. And that's the point. And that's why we stand. It is an act of unity together. And uh, we'll leave it there for the day. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. 
If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Two young sheriff's deputies are shot in L.A. and Black Lives Matter celebrates. It's hard to look, but we won't turn away. And on that principle, I watched Cuties over the weekend, and I'll tell you what I thought on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> 